It's time for Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, inviting the atheist, agnostic, and skeptic to examine for themselves the evidence for the Christian faith. We are all limited by what we do not know and by the things we think we know but are not true. Dr. Joe Mott earned his Ph.D. at LSU and was a distinguished math professor at Florida State University for 38 years, helping to write three math textbooks and authoring over 30 research articles in math. He is now the host of this radio program, Defending and Commending the Faith. Here is Joe Mott. Hello to everyone. Welcome to the program. We've been discussing the uniqueness of Jesus. In the last episode, I listed seven facts saying Jesus is unique because, first, biblical prophecy foretold important details about him centuries before his birth. Second, his conception, the virgin birth. Third, the miracles he performed on earth. In particular, fourth, his resurrection from the dead. Fifth, his qualifications. He is called the Christ, the promised Messiah. Sixth, his achievements. He is the world's savior because he can forgive our sins and is able to bring us into fellowship with God. And seventh, his claims about himself. I continue with that theme today. Jesus Christ is unique because, number eight, he was a man who accepted worship only due to God. He claimed that he and the Father were one. To know him was to know God. To see him was to see God. To receive him was to receive God. To believe in him was to believe in God. To honor him was to honor God. And to hate him was to hate God. After Jesus' baptism, God calls Jesus his beloved son. That's in Matthew 3, verse 17. Then Jesus says that whoever believes in God's only begotten son should not perish, but have everlasting life, in John three sixteen, God said, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. That can be found in Psalm chapter 2. Verse 7, and in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 5, and in chapter 5, verse 5. Therefore, Jesus, as the Son of God, shares the same divine nature as God. Jesus said, If you do not believe I am He, in other words, the Son of God, the promised Messiah, the Savior of the world, the prophet like unto Moses, He said, you will die in your sins. That's in John chapter 8, verse 24b. He also said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father taught me, I speak these things, and He who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do the things that please him. That's in John chapter 8, verses 28 and 29. Titus chapter 2, verse 13 reveals, 
looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. This highlights the deity of Jesus Christ. He is more than the Messiah. He is God. In the trial before the Sanhedrin, the high priest knew that Jesus was claiming to be God when, when in the words of Daniel, Jesus referred to himself as the Son of Man, sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Consequently, the high priest tore his clothing and said to the rest of the Sanhedrin, What further need do we have of witnesses? You heard the blasphemy. What do you think? And they all condemned Jesus to be deserving of death. That's in Mark chapter 14, verses 63 and 64. In the book, The World's Great Religions, Houston Smith says Jesus is the only leader of a major world religion who claimed to be divine. Over and over, Jesus said that the Father sent him. He claimed that his teaching did not originate with him, but that he spoke the words that the Father commanded him to speak. He affirmed that those who do not believe in him will be judged by the word that he has spoken. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. That's in John chapter 6, verse 35. He claimed he was the light of the world, and whoever follows him would never walk in darkness, but would have the light of life. Jesus said, most assuredly, I say unto you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see eternal death. That's in John chapter 8, verse 51. What about never do you not understand? We can say unequivocally, Jesus claimed to be God. All others in Scripture rightly rejected that worship. For example, Peter rejected Cornelius' worshiping him in Acts chapter 10, verses 25 and 26. Paul and Barnabas refused the people of Lystra, treating them as gods in Acts chapter 14, verses 14 and 15. Point nine, Jesus is unique because he demonstrated attributes of God. He lived a sinless life on earth. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, John chapter 18, verse 38, chapter 19, verse 4 and 6. He had the power over his own death and the ability to take it back again. In John chapter 2, verse 19 and chapter 10, verses 17 and 18, he announced he could forgive sins. He alone bore our sins. He had the power to heal the sick even for someone who only touched his garment. He was able to calm the storm, 
to give life for whom he wills, to raise the dead Lazarus, and he had the insight to know the nature of men. That can be found in John chapter 2, verses 23 through 25. Number 10, Jesus is unique because of his effect on humanity. He is the giver of eternal life. The Father has committed all judgment to him. He is coming back to earth to reign for a thousand years. The main purpose of the thousand-year reign is to fulfill God's covenant promises to Israel and to believers in Christ and the whole earth. Philip Schaeffer, a 19th century historian, said this about him. This Jesus of Nazareth, without money and arms, conquered more millions than Alexander, Caesar, Muhammad, and Napoleon. Without science and learning, he shed more light on things human and divine than all philosophers and scholars combined. Without the eloquence of schools, he spoke such words of life as were never spoken before or since, and produced effects which lie beyond the reach of orator or poet without writing a single line. He set more pens in motion and furnished themes for more sermons, orations, discussions, learned volumes, works of art, and songs of praise that the whole army of great men of ancient and modern times. Number 11. Jesus is unique in that he is the only way to God the Father. Contrary to the common notion that there are many roads to heaven, the book, Not All Roads Lead to Heaven, by Robert Jeffress, the senior pastor of First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas, implies there is only one road to heaven. This conclusion is consistent with what Jesus said. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's in John chapter 14, verse 6. Peter told the crowd in Jerusalem after the resurrection, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That's in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. In other words... Christianity teaches the exclusivity of the gospel. Point 12. Jesus is unique in that he is the key that unlocks the Bible. Let us see how. First of all, Jesus is the all-glorious Lord, the only Son of the Father, the Christ, who from all eternity beholds the Father face to face, who was with God and is God. That can be verified by considering John chapter 1, verse 1. Second, Jesus is the focus of the Bible. He is the one to whom the Old Testament points forward, about whom it speaks, and whom it prefigures in shadows and types. The New Testament speaks of him as Savior, 
the fruition of the prefigures in the Old Testament. Third, Jesus Christ not only instructs us in the Bible, but he established communion with us through the word. We abide in Christ as his word abides in us. In John chapter 15, verse 7, he talks to us very personally through the Bible. Fourth, the lack of understanding the Bible is like a veil over our hearts when we are not his children, keeping us from seeing the word correctly. When we turn to the Lord, the Holy Spirit works in us and removes the veil. That can be verified by considering 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. Quotes, But all of us who are Christians have no veil on our faces, but reflect like mirrors the glory of the Lord. We are being transfigured into his own image, and with ever-increasing splendor, and the transformation comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. That's found in Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, in the Phillips translation. Fifth, as our hearts are changed, we begin to respond to Christ in adoration, appreciation, and obedience. And so it will be more and more because Christ writes his own law of love on our hearts. That's in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16. Pray that Jesus Christ will not only enlighten us, but will transform us. Point 13. Jesus is unique because he is the only founder of a major religion who is revered by all the other major world religions because the reliable historical documentation of Jesus' life and teachings far exceeds that of any other founder of a major world religion because he says that his words will never pass away because of his ascension back to heaven to prepare a place for us because he promised to return to earth and receive us to himself. That's found in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. The Irish historian William Lecky, author of seven volumes on the history of England and five on the history of Ireland, gives a ringing endorsement of Jesus. He writes, It was reserved for Christianity to present to the world an ideal character of Jesus that has not only been the highest pattern of virtue, but the strongest incentive to its practice, and has exerted so deep an influence that it may be truly said that the simple record of three short years of active life has done more to regenerate and soften humankind than all the disquisitions of philosophy and all the exhortations of moralists. The assertions about Jesus' uniqueness present every person with a choice to be made. Either we must accept or reject his affirmations, and either believe or disbelieve him, it's not an option to simply ignore or try to evade such radical statements. Jesus claimed to be God. However, 
Bart Ehrman, the professor of New Testament theology at the University of North Carolina, asserts in his book, How Jesus Became God, that this is nothing more than a legend developed by his disciples. But the disciples never denied their claim about his resurrection on pain of death. It is also asserted that Jesus could have met his moral claims mystically. In other words, Jesus is like a Tibetan Lama. Contrary to that assertion, the bulk of Jesus' statements have no mysticism in them. They are all straightforward assertions. What Jesus said demands that we draw a conclusion from his assertion that he is the only way to God the Father. Ultimately, that conclusion will fall in one of two camps. He was either speaking the truth or he was speaking a lie. He was either the Son of God and the greatest person who ever lived, or he was a deceiver and a fraud. Of course, you could be more kind and rather say, I believe that perhaps he believed those things, but he was deluded. You might even go further and say, if he were living today, he would probably be institutionalized. So then you're saying he is a lunatic. C.S. Lewis, the great Christian commentator of a former generation, said, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing you must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would be either a lunatic on the level of a man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either he was who he said he was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord or God. But let us not come with any sort of patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. This is what is called Lewis's trilemma about Jesus. He's either liar, lunatic, or Lord. Among these five choices, legend, llama, liar, lunatic, or Lord, which will you choose? Thank you for listening to Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, a production of Wave 94 Radio in Tallahassee, Florida. If you have any questions or comments for Joe, please forward them to Doug Apple at Wave 94 at this email address, dougapple at wave94.com. And be sure to join us every Monday evening at 6.45 p.m. on Wave 94 and subscribe through your favorite podcast app. 
Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott. <laughs>